0: Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Today I want to talk about a tension to manage. And um, over the last few weeks through February, we've been doing some one offs and some standalones, um, but they've actually kind of tied together beautifully, and um, which wasn't our intention, but it's the grace of God uh, that it's done that. And last week, Mark Mark um, Mark Greenwood talked to us about good news, and what he said was, like, our oh, world well, can be a bad news world. You turn on the news, you look on your social media feed, and there are there are uh, there is bad news and problems all around. And you see, when, when it comes to a problem. Problems, I think, can be defined by if they have a solution. And they can be a complex problem or a simple problem, but problems generally have a solution. And so, you know, you have the problem of a leaky tap or a leaky sink, you find the problem, you fix the leak, and you no longer have a problem. It is simple. Problems can be binary. Sometimes we can look at things and go, that's a problem to be solved, and other times it's not quite what is needed in the moment. And you know, I think there's lots of tensions. Our world is full of tensions, I think, rather than problems. If if the world was full of problems, we could find the solution, fix them, and it would be sorted. But I think we're full of tensions. And to help us understand that a little bit further, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. Okay, and I want you to turn to the person next to you, not the person you came with, but the person next to you, and I want you to discuss a question. Are you ready for that? Okay, the question is, who are you going to vote for in the next general election? One, two, (laughs) I'm joking. Woo! Uh, Honestly, honestly, like how to cause trouble in church when the lead pastor's away on holiday. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? because it creates tensions. If that was a problem to solve, we'd have solved it by now, wouldn't we? But, you know, it creates tension, because you go, I know what the person next to me is gonna vote, and that's not gonna be what I'm gonna vote for. Or, you haven't got a clue, because it's like choosing which person is gonna rob your house, and you just haven't got a clue what you're gonna do about it. And this, maybe that was a political statement too far, I don't know but it creates tension. Our world is full and full of tensions and we've become so polarised in our world, haven't we? We're either red or blue. I will be very much in the red category this afternoon as the Mighty Reds play in a cup final. Um, but we polarise ourselves. We we're, we're leave or remain. You're for or against. You're either supporting us or you hate us. There is nothing in between in our world. We're not good in our culture of holding this space in between is looking at the other side of uh, you know the people that we disagree with and going, I, I disagree with your point, but there's some things that I might agree with, but I don't entirely agree with your standpoint. We're not good at pulling things into the middle and going, well, let's find the common ground. We're good at standing on other ends and going, you're a problem and you need to be solved. And we're not good at pulling it. Together, and a few years ago, we as a staff team uh, were given this question, and it's a phrase we've used a lot, and it's this: "Is it a problem to solve or a tension to manage?" And you know, we we come back to this an awful lot as a church. You know, you will hear us say a lot on on stage that we're about helping people find and follow Jesus. We want to be a church that is accessible for people who aren't familiar with church, and is going to help church people grow, and so that creates some tensions. We want to be a multi-generational church. That creates tensions. We want to be a multicultural church. All of these things create tensions, and they could simply present as problems to solve, but it's not that Simple. Now, if you're new to us, uh, I want to give you a little bit of a backstage access into how we think and how we make decisions and why we do some of the things that we do. And if you're part of us, this might help as well. And you know, one of the key challenges when we're trying to do what we do as a church and who we are is around giving. Now, for non church people, people who aren't familiar with church, one of the biggest preconceptions about church and Christians is that they're all only ever after your money. And so we want to we want to manage that carefully. Now we could solve that problem by never talking about money ever in church. We could never do an offering, we could never give that opportunity for people to give. That would solve that problem. However, over here is that it's really important that we understand if we're following Jesus what you do with your finance is a key part of your discipleship you know where your heart is there your treasure is also no where your treasure is there your heart is also you see it's so important and in order for us to do what we do as a church we rely on the generosity of people And so if we don't do any given moments, then we create this problem over here. However, if we solve this problem by only ever talking about finance, we create this problem over here. And so it becomes not a problem to solve, but a tension to manage. And so what we do is we manage that tension by only doing offerings and giving moments once a month on a Sunday. And we say things like, look, there is no pressure to give only opportunity if today is your first time with us don't feel under any pressure to give we're just pleased and happy that you chose to join us that's how we manage that tension and there's loads and loads of different things maybe you know for others of you not thinking about church but parenting when i thought about tensions to manage i realized that parenting is basically one big management of tension and you're, trying, you're not solving problems. They're, they're easy. It's just called cowpaw. Um, <laughs> but when, you, when you're a parent, you just, you're constantly managing tensions, aren't you? It's endless wrestle between, do I address that thing that I noticed and saw happened, or do I just pretend I never saw it and, and pretend it didn't happen? Do I give them more screen time so I can get jobs done and have some peace and quiet, Or do I go, let's play a game? (laughs) Do I? Do I give in to them and give them the sweets that they're begging for and the chocolate that they want for breakfast just so they don't nag me every single morning? Or do I give them a nutritious breakfast? It's a constant management of tensions, I think. And I I didn't understand this quote until I was a parent, but Adam Sandler, he once said this... (gasps) And I totally relate to that as a parent. I totally, totally feel it. Just want to be real with everyone this morning. That's where I'm at. And you know, it's not, we're talking about attention to manage. There are loads of tensions in our world that we need to manage. And we should probably talk about Jesus in the Bible. And so Jesus was so good at managing tension. He was an absolute genius. And you know, if you're in a connect group, in your connect group notes this week, I've given you a whole load of examples of where Jesus managed tension beautifully, where he, he brought it through. When you look at the Gospels, when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that Jesus was constantly managing tension, creating tension as well, but managing it beautifully. And what I want us to do is to do a bit of a, a deep dive into a moment where Jesus managed tension brilliantly, and it appears in John 8. And it's the story of the woman caught in adultery, if you're familiar with the Bible. Um, And we're going to go through it bit by bit and just pull out different ways, different things that we can learn from Jesus on how we can manage tension in our world. I'm sure that you can think of tensions in your life around family, friends, work, your your neighbours. There's all these tensions. I think there's some things that we can learn from what Jesus did. So in John 8, it says, but... Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. Now, the first point when it comes to managing tension is we need to understand story. And so when we see the start of John 8, it begins in the middle of a sentence. It's because it's kind of the continuation of the previous chapter. And in John 7, the previous day, uh, it's all kicking off. Jesus is in the temple courts where he ends up here again on this day, but the day before he was in the temple courts. And he's surrounded and people are questioning the validity of what he's saying. They're questioning him. It's all kicking off. There's this whole big dispute. You can imagine it's tense. It's all it's all really sketchy. And Jesus, it says, they all go home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now we don't get any more context than Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He might have gone on a camping trip but probably knowing who Jesus is he probably went to pray doesn't say whether he got sleep or not we don't know that but it says at dawn dawn happens at the beginning of the day and isn't it beautiful to be waking up and seeing a little bit more sunshine every day at the moment it's lovely and at dawn he appears again in the temple court back where it was all kicking off the day before Jesus is there again where all the people gathered around him. Who likes being gathered around I lots of people first thing in the morning? Not me. And yet Jesus, he's there. He's got all these people gathering around him and he begins to teach them. And they go, Jesus, you know, you said this about this. Jesus, can you just, uh, can you just heal this? Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you would, be, like, you would forgive Jesus to, if he behaved like Adam Sandler. Going, all right, just give me a moment. Let me understand this. We, we, we get to see how brilliantly Jesus manages tension in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the relentless, relentlessness of life that we feel Jesus is feeling that as well in that moment. And so when we let, get to know what happens in this story, it's even better that he does it in the, in the context of this. But so often we don't know what others' story is We used to say, um, and I think we still do in our youth ministry, you know, um, if you fail to understand somebody's story, you will fail to have compassion. Because we don't know what is going on in their world. And we judge others by their actions, but we want others to judge us by our intentions. Because we know the story. We know that, that we're, we're frustrated, not really about that person in Asda who was, who was slow. We're frustrated about this other stuff that's going on, but that just spilled out in that moment. And so we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. And you know, I, um, part of my role is I oversee our guest services team um, and I oversee the team leaders. They do the hard work, I just help them really. And um, we've been working on a bit of an induction for our car park team. And on the induction document, uh, we talk about how to deal with grumpy people. Because believe it or not, when people turn up to church, some people, not many, but some are rude to our car parking team. Now, not any of you that are here today. I'm sure that none of you have ever been grumpy to our car parking team. But what I want, our, we, we want our, our, like our church experience to start in the car park. And so I want our car park team to understand that there will be grumpy people, because grumpy people can, uh, you know, people become more grumpy when they're in their car. And so what I want to do is help our team to deal with these tricky tensions and so what we say is we ask you to smile, to, to never respond with, to anger with anger. And we literally say, we don't know what somebody else has gone through that morning before they've got to church. Because I know for families in particular, if you've been trying to get here for 9.30 or even 11 o'clock, it's a stress. You have probably said, put your shoes on at least 500 times before you've left the house. You've maybe argued with somebody on your way and you're not going to turn up to church and go, good morning, praise the Lord. (laughs) Great to be with the brethren of believers today. Like, you're not going to do that. It, it spills over. And so what I want our car parking team to understand is we need to understand the story. And so when it comes to tension, when the tensions that are in your workplace, in your life, in your friendships, in your, with your neighbours, maybe try and understand the story. Understand what's maybe going on in the background. Let's move on uh, with the story of this moment with Jesus. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made a stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, the second point when it comes to managing tensions is to keep the main thing the main thing. What the Pharisees and the teachers of the law here, they've They've used what the law is there to keep people on track with God. They've used this moment, and they've lost sight of a woman's humanity, and they've brought her out, and they've gone, "Jesus, we're trying to trap you here. Here's a question: What do you think we do, we should do?" And they've lost sight of what the law was there to do. They've lost sight of what they were there to do because they're trying to trap Jesus. I remember um, when we used to run our Friday nights. Youth club, a night where I was leader in charge and all the young people came in and after about 10 minutes of being open it became apparent that there was one teenage girl there who had been drinking. Now the rules of our youth club was that we, we would call your parents, uh, ask you to leave, ask them to come and collect you and you may face a ban. That would, what, uh, would be what happens uh, if you are drunk when you come. And so uh, we phoned the parents, the parents were happy for her to make her way home on her own, which was their decision, not mine. Um, And so we said to this girl, look, you need to leave. And so she was on her way out, I was escorting her out, and we got right close to the door and she said, I want my pound back. (laughs) And I was like, you're not getting your pound back? And she went, no, I paid a pound, and you're kicking me out, and I'm only staying 10 minutes. I deserve my palm back, and I was like, well, technically it's about 90p, but I was like, no, you're not getting your palm back, you've broke the rules, and I ended up in this standoff where she went, well, I'm not leaving then, and I was like, no, you need to leave, well, give me my palm, no, you're not getting your palm back, you need to go, no, give me my palm back, and it's getting more and more heightened, and I'm like stuck in this moment, and the assistant leader that night was Jonathan Allen, who sat down there, and Jal came over to me, and went, what's the issue, and she has been asked to leave, she wants her pound back, she's not getting her pound back, and he went, right. Jal walked over to the tuck shop, got a pound, put it in her hand, and went, see you later, and the girl left. And I looked at Jal, and genuinely, I was ready to knock him out. <laughs> I said, how can you undermine me like that? And then he went, mate, I've solved the problem. You needed her to leave, she's gone, it's not about the pounds." And later we debriefed and he was like, you got fixed on the thing that didn't matter. We're not here to make money. We're here to provide a safe environment for young people. You got fixated on something that didn't matter. And he was right. You were right, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes when when we get involved in tensions, we get fixated and we, we get fixated on the thing that doesn't matter. We, get, we, we lose sight of what the main thing is. I've been in so many churches for weddings where I look around and go, this church is full of people who don't normally come to church. And then the leader of the church gets up and says, today we're hosting a wedding. You must not throw confetti on any of the church grounds. You must not move around and flash your cameras You must not, and it becomes like a head teacher at the front of a school. And I'm almost like banging the pews and like restraining myself because I'm like, you've got a bunch of people who aren't Christians here and you're making it about not throwing confetti, which I get is important. But it's not the main thing. The main thing is helping people find and follow Jesus. Let's not lose sight of that In in the conflicts and the tensions that you have in your life. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Maybe the main thing isn't to tackle that thing with your kids or, or with a colleague, but just to let that one go and go, you know what? The bigger picture is about, is about harmony. The bigger picture is about relationship. Then let's carry on with the story. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Jesus takes his time. And so point number three when it comes to managing tension is take your time. Take a breath Jesus paused, he didn't bite, he didn't fly into a conversation with them. How dare you? He pauses and takes a moment. Sometimes the Bible throws up some brilliant stuff, and in the book of Proverbs it says, Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. I love that. If you're a bit of a divvy, if you keep your gob shut, you might seem clever. I wish somebody told me that when I was a teenager. Because I'd have saved a lot of problems if I'd have just kept my mouth shut. And probably, in fact, in my 30s and hopefully in my 40s, I'll need to remember that as well. Pause before you post. Pause before you reply. Take a breath. In In managing tensions, take a moment to think. Respond. Don't react. And so if you need a moment, take a moment Put your phone down, <laughs> take a moment to breathe. And carrying on with the story, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, at those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. The fourth thing that we need to do is know that we carry a stone and we've got baggage and we need to own it. In every tension that you are in, you're carrying some stuff. There's some stuff that is being raised up in you in that moment. You know, as a parent, I've realised... So, like it's been illuminating the things in me that I, I go, why am I getting so annoyed about that? And it's because there's, there's, things, there's a need for control that I have. There's these things. It's been raising it up. And in every situation that we face, we carry a stone that maybe we need to drop. In every tension, you know, I love that it's the, it's the older, wiser ones that were the first to walk away because they realize, oh, hang on. When Jesus says, but he moves without seeing cast a fair stone. I know I've got some reasons why I shouldn't be throwing stones. And so we can dive into conflict and dive into tensions going, you, you were in the wrong, you were in the wrong, you were in the wrong. Well, we're all carrying stones that we shouldn't be throwing. And so in that, we need, to, we need to be self-aware of what's our baggage. We need to come into it and go, look, this is a thing for me and I know that this is creating tension around this, can you please help me with it? And knowing that and owning our baggage is really important. And so I love this as we come into land. Jesus straightened up and asked a woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. See, What I want you to know is that you are not a problem to solve. You are not a tension to be managed. You are a person to be loved. And what Jesus sees here is not a problem to be solved, not a tension to be managed. He looks this woman in the eye and says, you're a person to be loved. And so he loves her. You see, Jesus solved the biggest problem that humanity has which is separation from God. When we mess up, when we get it wrong, that means we can't be in relationship with God. Jesus came to solve that problem. The punishment for that stuff is death. Well, Jesus paid it on the cross on Good Friday. And when when he rises from the dead, he looks at humanity and he says, I've solved the biggest problem that we will ever face. Come and have a relationship with God the Father through me. And Jesus looks at us as people to be loved, and says, come on this journey, come and follow me, and we'll manage some tensions together, and we'll figure it out, and you'll get it wrong. And let me just say, when, when we do get it wrong, God's not angry at us, God's not mad at us when we get it wrong. We th- sometimes feel like God's sat on a cloud with his arms folded, getting cross at every wrong decision that we make. God's not mad, he's brokenhearted. He's brokenhearted because he knows the punishment has been paid, But he knows also there's consequences when we when we make the wrong decision, and so his heart is broken for that. And what Jesus does in in this story is he beautifully manages the tension so he can focus in on a person to be loved, and he holds this space for this woman so that he can get face-to-face with her and show her his love, his grace. And that phrase, holding space, is a counselling term. And I found a blog this week that explains holding space really, really nicely. And it says, holding space is showing up for someone, being fully present and without judgment as you sit with that person through their difficult time. You listen fully. You allow yourself to feel their pain so that they don't have to do it alone. You allow your opinions or judgments to take a backseat as you meet someone exactly where they are at. Regardless of if you agree with their actions or whether or not you have an opinion on the situation, you remain neutral, empathetic and merciful. So, you're holding space means holding that space, not diving in to solve the problem. And Jesus is that. Jesus does that. He holds space for us and gives us empathy, mercy, grace, love. Because you're not a problem to solve, you're not attention to be managed, you are a person to be loved. And so, I want to. Allow Jesus to hold space for us now, this morning, just to take a few moments. And maybe maybe it is that you need to drop a stone. Maybe there's some tensions that you just need to offload onto Jesus and talk to him. And in a moment, the band are gonna sing a song called Make Room. And the song says, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. And it's that creating space and allowing Jesus Hold that space for us. Maybe you need to see Jesus as a person who loves you. Not as someone who's angry with you or cross with you, but you've never thought actually God could love me. Maybe you need to see that face of Jesus. Maybe there's a specific person that your view needs reshaping of that the whole way through you were thinking, yeah, they're attention to be managed. And maybe God's saying they're a person to be loved. And because they're a person to be loved, we're going to manage the tension that we have around this. And I know that there are certain Christians in the room that you're like, ah, you're feeling the tension of this. Because we want to dive in and talk about the nail. We want to go, yeah, yeah, but at some point we've got to move on from this stuff that's making a mess in our lives. Yes, you're absolutely right. And what Jesus does with this woman is he holds space for her and then creates an invitation and says, Go now and leave your life of sin. But not before he holds this space. And so Jesus will hold space for you for as long as it takes, but he'll keep inviting you to something bigger, to something different. Because As it said in there, you meet people where you're at, where they're at, when you hold space. Jesus meets us where we're at, but he loves us too much to leave us there. And so he comes and he meets us and he loves us and he sees us as that, but then through managing tension and through leading us and through us choosing to follow, he leads us to being closer and more like him. And so how could Jesus hold space for you? This morning, I want to invite you. Maybe close your eyes. Maybe hold your hands out in front of you. Um, it's not a formula. It's just I find that a posture for me to be ready. And we're going to sing, and then in a few moments' time, I want to give an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So maybe you're considering that that you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Then I'm going to give that moment uh, and an opportunity for you to do that in a few moments' time. So maybe as we're singing this song and holding that space. Maybe that's what you want to consider. But just close your eyes. Don't feel the pressure to sing along. And I'm going to pray and then the band are going to sing. Jesus, I thank you so much that you don't don't view us as problems to be solved or tensions to be managed. But you love us. God, I thank you that you know my deepest darkest secrets but you still look at me as a person to be loved. Jesus thank you that you have every right to throw stones at us but you look us in the eye and you say that we that you love us. And so God I pray in this space that we would know your grace know your love know your kindness your mercy your empathy Jesus we make space for you in a moment we're going to sing and we're going to worship and we're gonna declare who Jesus is because he's the name above all names he's the King of Kings like we sung earlier and in my opinion there's no one greater that you could give your life to there's no one better that you could dedicate your life to following than Jesus I'm a massive Liverpool fan but they'll let me down probably this afternoon (laughs) that you can dedicate your life to live towards loads of things, there's no greater mission, no greater thing, no greater venture that you can live your life following than the call of Jesus and the invite of Jesus to come and follow Him. Because He doesn't view you as a problem to be solved or attention to be managed. He views you as a person to be loved. And so maybe you want to make that decision today. What we're really going to do. We're going to do this fairly quickly but simply in a moment um, I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes to, just to give you some privacy and if you want to say that yes to Jesus I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up nice and high in the air and our host and team they're already ready they're poised and if you put your hand up in the air they'll come and put a booklet in your hand that's titled why Jesus and it's just there's nothing special about that book it might just help you but it's a, it's a physical sign of you saying I'm making a decision to follow Jesus then I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing again so I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that and maybe if you're watching online or in one of our sites you want to respond in a similar way if you're watching online you could indicate in the chat if you wanted to but I want to ask and invite everybody just to close their eyes for a moment and I want to invite you if you want to say yes to following Jesus today then This is your moment to stick your hand in the air and say, yeah, I'm in. I wanna follow you, Jesus. So if that's you, and put your hand in the air now, and we'd love to give you a buckler. Great. Fantastic. people put their hand up, which is phenomenal. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're going to do it as a whole church. And so I'm going to pray a line and I want to invite every single one of us to say this line after line, and then we're going to celebrate uh, who God is and what he's doing in people's lives. Dear God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you solved the problem of sin. I thank you that you died for me. And you invite me to follow you. Today, Jesus, I say yes. I want to follow you. Jesus, would you help me to know your love and your forgiveness and your grace. In your mighty name, amen. Amen.